welcome back to Chew the Bible. It's your good friend A.A. Ron. I feel like I have a little time. I was going to cut my hair, like at least trim up the sides, taper the sides, and cut off this baby beard, peach fuzz in my face, whatever you want to call it. But you know what? I'm just going to practice. I'm just going to shower and then just get going. So. Let's go through it. Matthew 18. Matthew 18. Then we'll go to this prayer time. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you're a good father. You're a gracious father. You're a kind father. There's no one like you. Lead us, guide us, order our steps. Let's pray as we step into your word and begin to chew on it. That uh, every morsel would, would really, really savor it and digested properly god and that it all every single part of it would not become waste but it would be it would absorb into our body and nourish us and nourish our soul nourish our mind lord in jesus mighty name we pray amen They say what goes into you is what comes out. When you squeeze a rag or squeeze a piece of fruit, whatever's inside of that fruit, that's what's going to come out. So this is why it's so important to spend time in God's word. I'm realizing even more than like reading more books, even though they might be Christian books, there's great and all. More than that, more than... um anything more than anything more than anything more than anything the most important thing we need to be doing during this time is spending time in god's word most of us most of y'all like see i'm single right now and i'm i'm actually learning to enjoy it and embrace it right and i'm in a season right now where i'm focusing on working and paying back the rest of this child support and completely caught up and believing God for some miracles so that I can <sighs> yes be in a home somewhere not a nursing home but a home somewhere closer to my kids and get go back to having them consistently um hopefully even more than every other weekend but like a 50 50 kind of thing but um God's gonna work all that out but um Yes, I'm blessed to have not a whole lot of free time, but I do have time. Like some of y'all, like y'all, like some of y'all moms, or a lot of y'all, just in different situations to where you 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 be blessed to even get thirty minutes of alone time, right? And so all of us, you know, life is bunch of seasons you know things change you know i know i'm i'm imagining there'll be a time where i'm not in this situation where i can't just read the bible and podcast for like a whole hour straight without being interrupted you know um it's my time there'll be more things trying to demand you know to take me and to pull me in different directions 
whether that's work-wise or discipling people or yeah, church obligations, you name it, fill in the blank. If there's somebody out there or something out there that's trying to take from your time, which is one of the most precious commodities we have because they only have so much of it. Shoot, God, at some point, I I just want to always, I'm realizing I always want to make sure I make time for Jesus, no matter what, for the things of God, like that. I want to always prioritize that no matter what, even more than like church events or things like if God tells me, I feel like leads me to go to a church event, I'll go Um, or to this or to that, whatever it is. But ultimately, I always want to make time for Jesus. I want to make sure he is the number one. Just like if I were married, I would need to make that spouse number two, you know, second only Jesus. She would get the best of my time, best of my effort, best of my energy, <laughs> which also is a commodity these days. Um. Anyway, let's go. It's 440. I need a shower. And a lot of times I like to take long showers. So, yeah, let's do this. Jesus and his disciples. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him, and set him in the midst of them, and said, This is the KJV, by the way, just in case. And this is wild, because this is literally just after reading Matthew 17, where Jesus revealed himself to them the transfiguration and he showed them Moses and he showed them uh, Elijah and then Moses and Elijah went away and it was just Jesus anyway verse 3 and said verily I say unto you except ye be converted and become as little children ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven Whosoever, therefore, shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 5, And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Verse 7, woe unto the, to the world because of offenses, for it, must needs, for it must needs be that offenses come. But woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Hmm. Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life, halt or maimed. Rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life. With one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire. 
think that's what I was going to say in the last spot. I've been noticing people with eye patches lately. And like at Walmart, there was this guy and I was tempted to go up to some, like pray for him. To pray for his eye. He had on this like demonic looking shirt too. But I don't know. I didn't do that. Was, that was weeks ago before I even started having this unction to really start praying for people more that are dealing with all kind of ailments um or uh what do you call it? handicaps there you go that's what i was thinking of um and so anyway on the way home from church this morning i saw a guy driving in my neighborhood who had an eye patch and but he was i was going to talk to him if he lived in like my same part of the complex but he kept driving somewhere else um I should have just followed him and be like, hey, I know this is weird. Sorry if I'm, seems like I'm stalking you, but I'm not. I just saw your eye patch and I want to pray for you. But I wasn't that bold. Um, Lord, give us more boldness. Give me more boldness. Anyway, so and then at church. So that was this morning. And then I went to church tonight and Pastor Esther, Pastor Kelly's wife. Made this example talking about like you might have one eye. But thank God you you could have no eyes. Thank God you got your one eye. <laughs> and I'm like, why is she talking about one eye? I've been thinking about one eye for a recent oh, uh, recently because I also was meditating on that scripture talking about yeah, with sin, it's better to enter into heaven with you know one arm. If your arm call hand calls you to sin, cut it off. If your eye cut, you're not saying your eye calls you to sin, cut it out. You're not saying actually do that mainly just going to the, the extremes that you should go to it's kind of an exaggeration but the extremes we should go to to avoid sin anyway all right take heed verse 10 it's just funny that or interesting that this one i think keeps coming up recently um and she brought it up in us in the sermon that, yeah, last night all right, verse 10, take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Now, here's the question. Do we, do we like, get less angels as we get older? <laughs> oh, they have more angels when we're little. And the, and the angels got more of God's attention when we're little versus as we get older. Or I like to think that it stays the same. How the how think ye if a man have an hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety nine and goeth into the mountains and seeketh that which is gone astray? See, this shows the level of attentiveness that I, I encourage y'all to read Ezekiel thirty four too. That came up in a dream this morning, and there's something on it about Jesus being a good shepherd. Verse 13, and if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of that sheep than of the ninety-nine which went not astray. Even so, it is not the will of your father, which is in heaven, that one of these little ones should perish. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he 
will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. So, yeah, somebody in the church, I believe this is pertaining specifically to the church. I could be wrong here. Y'all go read some commentaries on your own. But in general, we'll just say in general, even if it's outside of church, somebody does something wrong to you, but especially in the church, we're not really supposed to be going to court and suing everybody. So if somebody does something wrong to you, offend you, then... You're supposed to go directly to them, tell them how they offended you or how they sinned against you, what they did wrong. And if they don't repent or apologize and make it do something to make it right. Some people say, oh, I'm sorry, but they don't do anything to like actually like if they stole something, they don't like need, they need to like give it back. Um, yeah. Whatever it is, they're supposed to make it right to the best of their ability or whatever or at least apologize and then if but if they don't apologize or do anything to make it right then you're supposed to take two or three more people with you as witnesses and then let's keep going verse 17 and if he shall neglect to hear them tell it unto the church then yeah if they still don't listen then like, all right, we gonna, i'm putting you on blast in front of the church the whole congregation which you a lot of times, God a lot of times will allow your stuff. He'll allow your dirty laundry to air out. He's very gracious. He's very patient. He's very merciful. He'll allow things to kind of be undercover for a while. And then eventually, it, yeah, what's done in the dark comes to the light. We don't get away with anything. All right. Verse 17, and if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. I think some translations like, use that word infidel. Like, yeah. Anyway, verse 18, verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, this is an example of one of the verses where... It's like, okay, why do you start talking about this scripture gets quoted a lot and it feels like it's doesn't relate to what we just read before, but maybe it does. This is where it helps to read some commentary or some people or ask God, like, God, what is, what are you saying here? Like, why did you put this verse right after this other verse talking about dealing with trespasses like done against you? And what does it mean? What do you mean by whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven? Whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What are you talking about? Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my father, which is in heaven. For where there for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. A lot of people use this. I feel like these scriptures right here are like the most misquoted scriptures. I feel like there's a deeper meaning here, a deeper con. We got to look at the context clues to really understand what's going on here. I don't really have much of an answer. I kind of have some thoughts on it, but this is just something I'm going to take a screenshot and I'm going to this perfect example of like 
a lot of times I don't understand something like, Lord, can you please um, highlight this scripture for me? Can you make it make sense for me? Clarify what you're saying here. And then usually I'll turn on some podcast or I'll turn on like or something will happen or somebody will preach about it or just something this regular life will happen. And like, oh, that's what you mean by that. So I'm just going to keep reading. Verse 21, I'm not even going to pretend that I understand what fully understand that one. I've heard people talk about that scripture. I have some, once again, some ideas on what he's talking about there. But I'm just going to keep reading. Verse 21, then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? We're still talking about trespasses. Interesting. Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore, is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants? And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him ten thousand talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had in payments to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him. Ah, and forgave him the debt. Like God is explaining even more here. This is talking about when, see, because I've heard people talk about like, whatsoever you bound in heaven shall be bound and bound on earth shall be bound on heaven shall be bound on earth. Whatever loose in heaven shall be loose on earth. He's talking about like debts. Like when somebody does something wrong to you, like we're supposed to like loose them and forgive them. At least that's how I read that. Because in Jesus, yeah, he said wherever two or three are gathered, he'll be there also. Like almost like he's the judge. Crazy, we're just reading about Exodus eighteen and how wow, it's crazy how things are lightning light like lining up. Because Exodus eighteen was just talking about how Moses would have all these people stand for hours outside with all these different court like these issues um matters of court you know civil court and jethro was like hey why don't you assign some lower some judges below you whatever to deal and i'm sure a lot of the stuff they were dealing with was all kind of offenses that they were willing to stand all day outside to have Moses deal with all these offenses and make rulings that just shows you where their hearts were and so here we are in Matthew 18 and he's talking about when somebody wrongs you we're supposed to loose them because honestly when you hold unforgiveness towards somebody you're not ever forgiving somebody you're the one that's bound and all right let's keep reading verse 28 all right, the verse 27, then the Lord's that of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him an hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. Wow. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, 
they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that he that was done. Then his Lord, after that, he had called him and said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brothers their trespasses. I... There's something tied to holding, harboring unforgiveness. Jesus, he's, we forget sometimes that he sees everything, that he's basically kind of like Moses was, like, well, they were bringing all of their issues to him. And it'd be interesting to see kind of how Moses handled each of those. But, like, Jesus, unlike Moses, is omniscient. Remember, he even said the birth, the chapter before how he's greater than Moses, the transfiguration, he's greater than Moses and Elijah. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He is the Supreme Court. So the scripture I'm going to go to to close this out is he who has been forgiven much. That's crazy. Like we easily forget some, so many, like I had, I went through that recently with the guy who hit my car and I started, my flesh started to go like, man, this dude, that's just kind of mad. Just about the inconvenience and all. I was like, I was thinking to myself, like this dude has no desire or heart to even try to make things right. Like he destroyed my car and he's not even like trying to make an effort to like, be like hey you know like to make it right to like to really make it right and then immediately I feel like I was like kind of upset for a minute and then something kicked into me is like Aaron it reminded me of like all the debts that I still owe people I still owe back child support I still um there's creditors that I haven't paid back and I really kind of have no intention to pay because those I'm like, hey, I need a Jubilee. <laughs> and the Bible, yeah, I'm not doing bankruptcy, but I'm doing the whole Jubilee, like where they every seven years, people's debts were forgiven. In the state of Missouri, you got five years of, uh, they call it a uh, statute of limitations. They can't, they're not supposed to collect on any debts after five years. Anyway, but it's like, I was, I feel like God checked me like Aaron, Remember, you still owe people debt. Like, how you gonna get mad at this dude? Cause he isn't doing everything he can to make things right, you know? And so, yes. Even though I told him, like, hey, you're all good, like when he was there and I prayed for him. I told him I said I had to call the cops, but I prayed for him and I just told him I didn't even actually tell him, like, hey, I forgive you. I could I probably should have and could have, but I just told him like, hey, it's everything's gonna be okay. I asked him if he was okay and I prayed for him. That's kind of my way of showing him like, hey, like it's gonna be okay. Somehow this is just a car. I'm glad you're you know, your airbags deployed, I'm fine, I'm glad you're fine. And so um anyway, but like Yes, here we go. Luke seven forty seven. Let's read it from the Bible Hub. 
It says, therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Who is he talking about there? Oh, he's talking about that woman with the alabaster box who poured oil on his feet. Oh, we're going to get there eventually. Um, but yeah, I tell you, verse do NLT. I tell you, her sins and they are many have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who has forgiven little shows only little love. Heavenly Father, help us to know, remember how much we've been forgiven, Lord, and help that that will cause us to show more love to people, genuine love. More we remember how much you've been forgiven, God. Help us to not. My bad, y'all. My alarm went off, got cut off. I need to get going. But yes, Lord, help us to remember how much we've been forgiven. Lord, we've been forgiven so much debt. The great, yes, there's this our sin debt. What can wash away our sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Well, there's nothing that we could do to pay back any of our debts. No amount of overtime, no matter of like time in prison. So help us to remember that, God. Help us to remember that, Lord that your son Jesus died on the cross to pay all of our sins and um, help us to have that genuine love that only flows out of knowing that we've been forgiven so much. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned or missed the mark or veered off the path and fallen short of the glory of God or God's perfect standard. Romans 6:23 says for the wages of the cost of that sin is death or eternal separation from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5a says but God demonstrated his love toward us or showed his love toward us in that while we were still yet sinners Jesus Christ died for us. Romans 10 verse 9 through 10 says that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will, not might be, not maybe, we will be saved. For with our hearts we believe we are now in right standing with God, and with our mouths we confess that we are now saved. Lastly, Romans 10 verse 13 says that whosoever, anybody or everybody, who calls upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. So if you've never asked Jesus into your heart or you've walked away from him and you would like to rededicate your life to him, you can just simply say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin deserves to be punished. I believe Jesus Christ is the son of God who died for me and rose from the grave. I want to turn from my sin and trust Jesus Christ alone as my savior. Thank you for the forgiveness and everlasting life I can now have through faith in Jesus. In Jesus' mighty precious name I pray. Amen.